0: Hey guys, welcome to a drama diving. Uh, I know it looks a little bit different this time, but we've got a surprise for you. We have uh, guest hosts and a bunch of ladies that are gonna talk about uh, women in diving and a bunch of different stories and uh, kind of possible hardships they've had going through the industry and just kind of chat about, about how we can uh, welcome more women into the industry. So uh, as uh, I kind of hinted on Facebook, one of my friends john who's actually sitting here to watch the show with me as i produce from the background got me blue label johnny walker so we're going to pour out a little bit of that and uh i know that the ladies have got drinks already so i got to catch up uh, so i'm going to pour that out but cheers and thanks for joining uh we're going to bring Ali on who is our host right now hey ellie hey ellie is a helper at the shop she went to suny esf where uh, i'm the dive safety officer and she's going to host tonight for you guys uh go ahead and feel free to add into the comments i'm going to be manning the comments and throwing it up there for everybody uh to see uh ellie are you all set and ready to go
1: yeah i'm all ready
0: all right so i'm gonna drop myself out of the stream and add all of our guests in good perfect good
1: All righty. There we go. So today we're going to be talking about um, women in diving for our episode of A Dream of Diving, and I'm very excited because of all the guests that we have today. Um, If we wouldn't mind going around and sharing just like a little background about everyone, that would be really great. Um, Do you want to start, Jenny? Um,
2: Sure. I don't know how much background you want.
1: Um, Just a little.
2: Okay. So I own a dive shop in Western PA, Scott Scuba. Um, My husband and I have been running it, or we owned it for two years, and I've managed it for about five now. And I'm a PADI-IDC
1: staff instructor.
3: Cool. Heather? Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Heather Knowles, and uh, together with my husband, uh, I run Northern Atlantic Dive Expeditions and the Dive Boat Gauntlet. I'm a active technical diver and instructor, interested in caves, wrecks, photography, and um, been diving since I was about ten years old. So it's it's been a lifelong thing for me.
1: Awesome. Uh, Mayor. Excellent.
4: I'm Meredith Tangway. I'm a GUE instructor, originally from Boston, now based in Florida and Hawaii. And we're a team of professionals. So I have a kind of alternative shop that some of you guys learned about in the last podcast. And I teach recreational, cave, and tech. Awesome. Um, How about Jen?
5: Hi, I am Jen. I am a brand new instructor for South Jersey Scuba. Thank you. Um, I've been diving for a couple of years. And I'm pretty excited to be a nail instructor for all the brand new people.
1: Yay! Awesome. Um, How about you, Jamie?
6: Yes, my name is Jamie. And I uh, am in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, close to Toronto. And uh, I'm a TDI instructor. And myself and my other half run a uh, small uh, scuba instruction and service uh, business at the moment uh, based out of Kitchener called JTEC.
1: Awesome.
7: Awesome. Alrighty. Jill, and go ahead. Yeah, I'm Jill, another fellow Canadian and uh, full-time uh, underwater filmmaker, um, photographer, explorer, and the explorer in residence for the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. And I guess I've been diving since the time of uh, clay backpacks and leather tanks.
1: <laughs> awesome. And um, Okay, so as Jason said, my name is Allie. I just graduated from SUNY ESF and I started diving with Deep Stop Scuba about six months ago. Um, so, we're going to start off with um, just like some basic questions. So, what inspired all of you to start diving? Um, I don't know who starts.
2: <laughs> I was definitely always a big time um, watcher of documentaries. So, anything I could get my hands on. And it just, I just wanted to see that world. And ever since I was a little kid, I remember watching them and just hoping that someday I could see it myself.
5: Same, National Geographic videos
1: all the way.
7: (laughs) Jacques Cousteau for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. For me, anything that was uh, narrated by David Attenborough? Mm -hmm. Crazy about it. (laughs) So he does a lot of like underwater stuff too.
6: Um, What about you, Jamie? Yeah, for me, my story is a little different uh, I around the water. We always had a pool in the backyard, but scuba was never really something that I had thought about, uh, probably because neither of my parents swam and they were always afraid of us jumping in the pool. Uh, so it wasn't until a little bit later that I uh, was t- planning a trip to go to Australia. And a friend of mine said, you should go and dive the Great Barrier Reef. So a couple months before leaving for Australia, I got certified and like literally dive number five was jumping in on the Great Barrier Reef for me. And uh, then I got back home and one of the girls that I, I was actually in my scuba class was doing her advance the following spring. And so I jumped in on that and it, there was no looking back. I, I had no idea at the time what I was getting into, but I have absolutely zero regrets about it.
5: General consensus on that. Well, Don't yeah. know what we're getting into, but we love it.
6: Yeah. <laughs>
4: I had always been around water and things and when I got into college I had to take P.E. credit and I sucked at bowling, so I took scuba. <laughs> <laughs> and natural thus, thus begins the story, you know, start with some good old uh, uh, upstate New York early May certification dives and set the hook for the suck early on. <laughs>
3: I guess I must be the last one. Um, you know, I I just was like a, a water baby. I loved the water from as far back as I can remember. And um, my father was a diver and or still is, I guess, He's not as active anymore. But um, he, he would go diving every Sunday and I was totally fascinated with his gear. And I really wanted to come diving with him, but you know, I didn't know how. So I would really just like wait for him to come home and then take me in the pool and let me play with the last 500 PSI in his tank. If he brought a tank home with that much. Um, and then, you know, I really just kept chipping away at him until he uh, really, you know, got me formal training and started taking me um, out diving with him. But I guess it was uh, seeing the Andrea Doria, uh, documentary documentary with uh I guess it was Geraldo, and uh mm-hmm. the state um i saw that and i was just completely hooked on wreck diving and i said i'm going to dive the andrea doria one day and everyone's like sure you are <laughs> and, and that was that was it for me i was you know on a mission after that and eventually did get to dive the Andrea Doria. But that was, I would say, probably the thing that really inspired me was seeing that film and um, just getting hooked on wreck diving right away.
1: That's awesome. Um, So were there any roadblocks that any of you guys encountered to like (laughs) joining the dive industry or to getting where you guys are now in your careers? Jill, do you want to go first?
6: You, you're <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you laugh. <laughs>
7: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there are definitely a few roadblocks. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, early when I was trying to figure out what what I or how I could make diving a career, I, I thought about um, commercial diving and I went to a weekend workshop, spent like a lot of money on a weekend workshop. And the instructor I was already a scuba instructor at that point but the uh, commercial diving instructor told me there was no space for women in commercial diving um,
6: wow. And yeah and I
7: was you know I was young and and not confident enough and and um, just kind of went oh okay yeah never mind you know I'll do it another <laughs> way kind of thing um, so it, taking away from that lesson I you know I realized how easy it is to absolutely slam a door shut especially for a young woman um and and sometimes those doors never get opened up again uh, you know since that time yeah there's been plenty of bias um both intentional and unintentional um bias uh, but that exists in all aspects of society today i mean i don't think it would be unfamiliar to you know a professional cyclist or a professional anything really um so it's, it's our cross to bear, I suppose. <laughs> but it's inspiring like to see more and more women all the time and more and more women in leadership because in my opinion, that's what it's gonna take. Yeah, a young woman diver needs to look up and see Meredith and go, oh, yeah, I wanna be her when I grow up, right? Um, I think that's just so important, role models, mentoring.
1: Yeah, okay, that's awesome. Um, how about Jamie?
6: Yeah. I mean, you know, like Jill, there's always roadblocks, whether intentional or not. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I got hired on at the shop, it, it, you know, I was told because they needed a female instructor.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: So that's how I got my foot in the door. But I, you know, and at first you're, you think, okay, it's fine. You know, at least I'm, at least I'm getting my foot in the door. And, you know, then you start to see some of the roadblocks or, or some of the obstacles, maybe a better word for it. Um, you know, and, and things were great at first, but you know, then I'm a person that will speak up if things aren't going the right way. And so for me, you know, I I, I was told that, you know, I should be quiet, I shouldn't speak up and that's just not the way I roll. So there was a little bit of, you know, head butting and, and things like that that happened. But, you know, at the end of the day, Again, I, I don't regret it. I, I'm not gonna be quiet if something's not right. And I'm gonna um, I'm going to do what I feel is right. And, you know, I ended up leaving that situation and I had another door that opened and that was fine. And, and I didn't leave by my choice, but I still had that other door that opened up. So I took advantage of it. And so to me, I've always kind of looked at it as, you know, one door will close and who knows how many more will open up and you just gotta keep a positive attitude. Because if you don't keep that positive attitude, it's very easy to get, you know, beat down. And I never wanted to be beat down.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, does anyone else have any similar experiences?
3: I I think for me it was it was challenging in a couple of ways getting started in a more professional capacity, um, because not only was I female, but I was young, and um, was in my early 20s and you know a lot of people didn't know my background like i grew up around boats and my father you know is a is a diesel engine mechanic by you know his his trade and and so for me i was always really comfortable around boats i spent a lot of time on boats i ran boats when i was young but you know when i sort of popped up on the grid in the late 90s early 2000s people were like who is she and um you know, I felt like there were, I always had to overcome assumptions. And and I agree with a lot of what Jill said, you know, there's there's conscious bias, and there's unintentional bias, there's all of these things that exist, and they exist outside of diving. And, you know, we encounter them every day. But certainly, you feel it more acutely when you're in a, a setting like diving where, you know, the women are a minority in terms of their, their presence and their role. And I think, you know, for me, it was, I really, really struggled with it for a long time. And even, you know, I stayed away from discussions like this because I just couldn't decide how I felt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I think what I had to do was just really keep true to myself. And I think Jamie, you kind of hit on that, like you just gotta do you. And if, um, if you make the right choices people will will respect that and then you you know you will you will eventually sort of be seen the way you should be seen at least that's the hope right and that's yeah. that's what i've always tried to do
6: yeah and if you do you there's nothing that you're ever going to regret that you did right you, you got to be true to yourself in my opinion and and at some point you just have to stop caring what everybody else thinks because it's that not is, get you anywhere
7: It's So true. I mean, because those like sexist behaviors and comments are not about you. They're about the person that made them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it takes, it, it takes a while before you can kind of like, get past that and not give a crap about it anymore. Like, just a couple of years ago, I had a, a student and um, he was starting his journey into cave diving and we'd actually spent three days in the open water at, at Ginny because things weren't going so well. And um, I got about day three, we're having lunch and someone who knows this guy comes up to him and he goes, dude, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm starting my cave diving class and man, you know, I'm working on all the skills and stuff and 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 god damn, it's hard you know, and the guy turns to me and he goes well, pretty lady, if you want to go for a little cabin dive while he's off on his class (laughs) I'll take you for a spin and I'm like,
4: oh, why, thank you (laughs) I thought, really? I I hope that those of us who've had to deal with those comments are maybe you know whacking away some of the weeds so that those that come behind us don't have nearly as many and and I feel like there's with what where I may be a little bit different than you guys is I didn't get into professional diving until you know decently into my 30s. And so it's a third career for me. So I had already you know a lot more confidence, a lot more stubborn, and I had already spent a large part of my prior career in real estate where I was a 20-something real estate agent where, like, doing real estate under 50, like, wasn't <laughs> a thing that happened. So I got, like, the young prejudice, um, even though it was all women. Um, it, but, yeah, I, I, I still look back and think of e- even things that were said to me five years ago on how unbelievably arcane and out of touch with reality that some of those things were. And I'd, I'd like to think that things have changed even in the last five years. But all we can do is try to endure and and not perpetuate that. And to some extent, maybe it's motivated me to be better um, because you know you can't just be to some extent, you can't just be as the same as the guy's skill level to get accepted. There's almost an unwritten higher standard. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I think you're right. And I can, I I also think though, that that's not always a good thing. It's not It's not a good thing for us collectively as women <clears throat> and even individually. I know um, people who know me will, will tell you that I have a level of self-criticism that is probably not so good, but I, and it, and some of it's just me as a person and some of it I think is probably a consequence of being in that environment a lot where you don't get the benefit of the doubt. You have to demonstrate that you're not only good enough, but you know, you're better than, than just average. And that's what it sometimes takes to be, to be accepted. And I think that's the thing we've got to change as, as women. Like I think the message we need to to send and the example we need to set is that being female is, Uh, a distinction without a difference. And, you know, we, we just, we don't have to prove anything because there's nothing to prove. That would be the ideal, right? But, and it takes, I think, role models like, you know, the many women and some of you guys here, you know, especially younger women who are, who are starting out that can really lead in in that way.
2: I see a lot of, of the age prejudice along with maybe being like a, a smaller female. Like I get a lot of, you can't lift that tank or you can't do that. And then I do and I'll walk around with my doubles on my back and carry a stage and be like, watch me, I got this. Um, so it's kind of a proving myself sort of thing. Like I want to be, I want to show you I'm just as tough. You don't need to baby me because I'm a young girl.
5: Yeah. I think definitely for me, it's more of the age than gender. Uh, you know, I feel like my career as like a dive professional, I punched in it's like the same shop. So everyone in like the staff has been really inclusive. Like I haven't really felt any gender inequality in the sense of the term until, um, or even really thought about it until Jason brought it up of like, hey, do you wanna do a podcast on uh, women in diving? I'm like, sure, <laughs> we can talk about it. So like for my experience, like with, especially with South Jersey Scuba, we have a great you know number of women in diving I dive with a bunch of girls like all the time. I even chat with them like daily.
4: <laughs> I, I, um, I would I would echo that, but I also feel like I got no sexism when I became a recreational instructor, but the second I flipped over into Cave and Tech, the the, the background changed. Mm-hmm.
2: See, I actually kind of found the difference the different. And maybe it's because I just have a great group of guys and divers here. Like recreational, I see more men trying to prove that they're tougher than the girls. And then our our tech guys and our, our cave guys are, you know, they just let me be part of the group. And I don't feel left out there, but it just may be kind of where we are. I see it more on the recreational side sometimes, I think.
6: Yeah, that's where I kind of felt it as as well, more on the recreational side. And that's, you know, kind of where I felt the most obstacles, because I think by the time I got into the tech side, I I had a good support system at that time and and I had met the it I was very, you know, fortunate to have met the right group of people, I think, that didn't look at me as necessarily being a a female. They looked at me as being a diver and somebody that wanted to dive and improve and and move forward. And and they just accepted that at that point. And and the others that didn't, well, I just I had no part of it. I didn't want didn't want to be part of it. So I I tended towards the where I was accepted and, and could fit in. And, and there was not that same judgment.
2: I'm wondering too, if some of ours, or I've wondered it often is, there was no tech program at this store at all before Josh and I took over. So a lot of our guys that are now tech divers and cave divers, I taught them. So they've kind of maybe always viewed us as, as one, of, one of them and somebody who's just as capable as anybody else. Cause maybe we started them down that path, I'm
3: not sure. I, I feel like locally, you know, we, we've, um, or at least locally, like, I, I feel like we have a great community here and the men in this community who are hopefully watching, you know, are are really fabulous and supportive. And I think some of that stuff sort of ran out and, and I think, you know, I, I don't feel it here. And so sometimes it makes me forget that it exists, but all you have to do is travel <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Especially to other parts of the world, where I think there is a whether it's technical or recreational, there's a level of of sexism that's still there, and and it's it's obviously rooted in in cultures and in education, and you know especially if you go places where it's you know really patriarchal society, you might you might feel it, especially if you're on a boat um, like I was once in Malta, and there were like 14 guys on the boat and me. And they were like, you know, not all that friendly at first. And it was just kind of like, you know, I was there with my rebreather and my camera and they didn't have a camera, you know. And so they're kind of looking at me like, you know, I don't know. I just it was sort of a cold feeling. Right. And it was obvious that, you know, there's not a lot of women like that showing up on boats. And and these guys were all from the UK. And it was just I, I was very aware Let's just say that I was the only female there. Now, of course, by the end of the week, you know, they were totally cool. Come over, have a beer, you know, and we all sort of, you know, broke down those barriers. But I, they were there for sure at first. And I think locally, I don't feel that ever anymore. But traveling sometimes, I think I, I think you can uh, still to, uh, really, depending on what you're doing and, and who you're with, I think it's it's sometimes really still present.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know if someone mentioned this. I think someone might have. But um, have you guys seen um, like a decrease in obstacles and things like that as time goes on? And do you think that's because you're progressing in your dive career or just because we're getting, I guess, more progressive?
5: I (laughs) haven't had any obstacles to begin with.
2: (laughs) I think a lot (laughs) of I tend to notice more or less depending on how the the woman handles it. You know, if she's more outgoing and willing to prove herself, I I don't think she's, I don't know, from my vision, I don't see somebody getting as much, like I don't experience it as much, but maybe somebody who's more timid. I see it in some of my students who are very laid back females. They tend to get more, I don't know, more roadblocks, I guess.
5: But isn't that kind of based off of their skill and personality, not necessarily their being a woman? That's true. Very true, it could be.
1: All right. Um, So it's kind of a different angle, but have you guys had um, any challenges when it comes to finding gear that like fits appropriately or anything like that? (laughs) (laughs)
5: Let's say that again.
1: (laughs) I see it a
2: lot at the shop fitting other women. Um, If you have any type of curve... You just can forget wetsuits. They just and standard fit dry suits. They just don't exist. <laughs> just learn the word custom.
7: You know, back in the back in the nineteen nineties, um, like we didn't have uh, women's gear at all. In fact, we used to say that if there was anything that was for women, it was designed under the SAP principle, which is small and pink. So it was exactly the same thing with the guys, but it was just little and it was pink, right? Um, and I ran around the Dima trade show to different manufacturers with a measuring tape. And I said, you know, dude, look at this. Let's measure the length of a woman's torso. Measure mine. I mean, I'm five foot 10, but my torso is so much shorter than a guy's, you know, guys have thick necks. And so their dry suit, you know seal comes over their head and fits around their neck where the woman has a tiny neck and by the time she rips the hair off her head and the skin off her nose then the the seal's too big on her neck you know her shoulders are are tapered the man's shoulders are square you know we've got boobs up here and i just i ran around literally manufacturer to manufacturer and said you know wake up. We, we're we not the same shape. And if we don't have like good equipment that fits, that makes us comfortable and warm, then we won't dive. And um, so, I mean, I think that was right after that. It was really the beginning of some of the first women's BCDs and things, but we still have a ways to go <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, more and more, it seems to be addressed. But the interesting thing is a few years back that there was a study done and women actually make the bulk of buying decisions about scuba gear whether it's for a woman or for a man like whether Uh the woman was a diver or not the two of them are in the shop together and the woman is influencing the sale and um and so still like we definitely have a long way to go i mean like i said i'm five foot ten i mean i've 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 been a body double for men in Hollywood movies, right? <laughs> but, but um, you know, nothing fits even even me. Like I could take something that theoretically is the right height, but it doesn't have the right curves, like you say. So uh, it, it's so important because um, if it doesn't fit and it's not comfortable, then we don't, we can't swim properly. We can't trim ourselves out properly. We're not warm enough and we don't want to stay in the water.
2: I found that problem with side mount recently. I can't get our D-rings to sit they just they don't sit where they would on a man and I've been so struggling with that trying to experiment.
7: Thank you for bringing that up because side mount is definitely one of the sort of number one culprits these days. Like there's a lot of people that are trying to standardize side mount and say mm-hmm. You must use a uh, this length hose and that length hose and do this and it must clip here and it has to be you know six inches from this and fourteen inches from that and the bands need to be way down here and I'm always like no you know yeah. side mount is like fitting someone like a, a an elite uh, road racer on a bicycle it's personal whether you're a male or female and and again because of our really short torsos. Uh, things are very different for women in side mount to get the trim right, and none of these like you know good for all philosophies work when it comes to side mount. In my opinion, the the harness might be great, but when it comes to fitting the tanks and getting the bands right and perfecting
5: the trim, it's very personal.
4: Agreed. I also think
5: fiddling with mine.
4: (laughs) I think one of the other issues too is it's definitely gotten a lot better than it was 15 years ago with one size backplate and, you know, Mm -hmm. no overboard discharges for women, like major things that have enabled the game to change. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, one thing that the industry could get better at is, and it's not just to the benefit of women but learning how to adjust gear properly, adjust weighting properly, body positioning properly for different body types. And of course women present one of the major body types, but I've also had short dudes who kind of fit into my mold of of how I may adjust equipment for a short woman. So I think that's one of the things that's maybe under-practiced in the industry is kind of assuming that everybody is a typical male build, five foot 10, roll with it.
7: (laughs) No, you're so right. I mean, that is a huge opportunity for dive stores. I mean, it's fantastic to see on this call, you know, women working and owning dive stores because when there is a woman in the dive store, then, then there's a recognition of that. But I think that, Customization and personalization is an enormous opportunity um, in tough times for dive stores to really specialize in that fit and trim and everything else that goes with it.
5: But I do appreciate all the different uh, designs and colors for coming out now. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Very appreciate that. No one wants black on black anymore. <laughs> I no one I, needs oh, can, I, need
4: can I push back on that? Stop only giving me options that are pink, purple, and lime green. <laughs> <laughs> Give me strong primary colors. Yeah, I Come
1: agree. I
5: no more pink.
1: Too much what happened pink. to yellow?
4: Everybody's
2: forgotten about yellow wetsuits or anything besides fin that's yellow.
7: Oh, I that's see true. David's asking how can manufacturers do better? There's a really fantastic example that There's came out recently. Um, fourth element took their entire staff of women of all different sizes and and put on the fourth element clothes and then took a whole bunch of pictures and said, you know, here we are, I'm wearing a 14 or I'm wearing an eight or I'm wearing a tall or I'm wearing a whatever. And um, I, I thought that was really empowering that that whole ad campaign they did. I, I thought, you know, kudos for, for that one. So I think, yeah, manufacturers could start using real women. Like, I, I don't want to yeah. see like... <laughs> <laughs> Big boobs, like models no that aren't even divers in catalogs. Like, give me a freaking break. I mean, the average um, demographic for women is much older now. I, you know, I want to stimulate the young market too, but, um, but please, really, like, can we just have some real women look at the real women in this broadcast here? Like, they should be the models in the
6: in the catalogs. You know, like, gosh. Yeah. And I I think if, if we get stuff that we like and fits us well, then we're going to talk about it and it's just going to keep growing from there. Right. Because we, we, we always love what we have, right. We're not going to wear something we don't like. And the more we talk about it, the better it's going to be. And maybe more of the manufacturers will start picking up on that stuff. You know, we're, we're not all the same, you know, I, I would never fit into anything that was not custom, you know, being five foot tall and, and having more of a, we'll call it an athletic build, you know, uh, I just I never fit into anything. So it was always custom. And, and, you know, if I, if I did find something I fit into, I'd buy like four of them. So when they <laughs> wore out, I still had something to, to go back to,
2: you know, to, to answer something towards David, he asked about how the manufacturers can do better and playing off what you said, Jamie, they could offer more custom options, kind of destigmatize custom things. You know, it's, as soon as you hear the word custom, everybody cringes and goes, Oh, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Like, if we could bring that more into the market of, a, of an option right off the bat, because we aren't, we've aren't, we just been talking about it, we're all different. So why should we all have to fit into that same three size, small, medium, large? You know, maybe try to, to bring that to a more mass production option. I don't know.
1: No, I think that's a great idea. Um, does anyone else have any uh, gear stories, I guess? Horror stories about their gear not fitting?
3: But when I, when I started diving, it you know, it was, I was young and small and there were, there was no women's gear, there was no kids gear. And um, so, you know, my, my wetsuits were always like hand me down $5 grab bin mismatches um, until I started kind of slowing down growing and, you know, probably around 16, you know, like I w- was not like needing a new size every year so. So I was going to get my first wetsuit. And, uh, you know, Jill mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, there, the options were so limited and this partic- there was no internet or anything like that. So you went into the dive store and you got what you got and what they had. And all they had for women's stuff was a wetsuit with a bikini cut top. So it was a two-piece <laughs> wetsuit, bikini cut, hot pink. And I absolutely would not have it. Now, my mother happened to be in the store, and Jill also hit on this too. She was the one deciding what I was getting. Mm -hmm. And um, my father was like, well, let her get what she likes. No, we're getting the pink suit. And I said, absolutely not. I don't care. So um, I ended up getting a men's suit because it had the step-in Farmer John style, and it wasn't a bikini cut. And it was lime green and it did not fit me that well, but I would not have a pink bikini cut suit. I didn't care. And so, you know, that's always kind of like what I think back to when I think about how things have evolved. Like there's some great stuff, like small back plates, which, you know, I now use and that makes a huge difference for me. Um, but I've always sort of um, struggled with, you know, women's gear that focuses more on like colors than the features that it really needs, and and I wish that if if I you know could answer the question about what manufacturers can do is they can address what women really need, and I don't think it's a lady's you know signature branding on the suit. I think it's the customization without compromising the features, and that's that's yeah. what can really benefit women.
7: You know, I have a story about a, a wetsuit <laughs> that I bought. Um, so I bought a, a brand new wetsuit because I was heading down to to um, dive a, a deep site and um, I wanted a brand new warm wetsuit, two piece. And it was, it was pink and turquoise. And yeah, it was bikini cut. And it had like the beaver tail that came around and like eye bolted in place and everything else. And I did literally one 400 foot deep dive and it was crushed to like, like tissue paper from the dive. And, I got back home and I called up the manufacturer. Like I owned a dive store at the time, and I called up the, the uh, sales rep, and I'm like, "Dude, this brand new suit I just bought—it is like it's useless. There is no thermal capacity left in this suit after one dive." And he goes, "Well, you know, what did you do with it?" And I said, "Well, I did one 400-foot di- deep dive." And he goes, "Oh, it's not designed for that." And I'm like, "What?" He goes. No, I mean, it's a, it's a women's suit, he said to me. And I'm like, um, yeah. (laughs) And he said, we assume that the average woman is going to wear this 10 times on recreational dives and then not dive it anymore. So that's the level of manufacturing that it's been made to. And you have got to be kidding me. So a man, a man's suit in the same line was designed with completely different principles. And we were assumed that we were just going to Throw it out after a few dives. Yeah. Wow! Yes.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we have another uh, comment from Eric Fine on Facebook. It says, "If manufacturers don't include women in the design process, they are missing the point." I can definitely Some do. agree.
7: <laughs> Some do. I mean, Bear in um, in Canada. Bear is uh, well. At least last time I was out there, they had an all-women's design team for their suits. All women.
3: That's great. That's you nice. Know.
7: I think Aqualung had a pretty high percentage of women, at least for their their women's line, anyway. As well, but they've are been they coming out with as some...
5: well is the question. Yeah. What was that? Oh, so are they divers as well? It's like yeah. if they are designing it, I mean, great, they could be designers, but are they divers as well? Kind of makes yeah. it go yeah, hand in hand. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, if, and if if
4: you're divers, not
6: divers, divers at all
0: levels,
4: not just representable. Yeah. yeah, you want. Female cave and tech divers, you need to include that in your concept for your women's gear.
1: For sure. All right. And another comment from David Stevens on Facebook says, Bear, all women design team is still there. Cool. It's really cool.
7: Yay. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. They're awesome. I mean, if you're in Vancouver, just go by, go for a tour and uh, meet the team. They're really nice nice, smart people.
1: Cool. Um, So I have another big question um, that we could probably work on. So what are some ideas that you guys think would be effective in um, encouraging more women to join the dive industry, but also continue diving throughout the years instead of coming a couple times and then quitting?
5: Uh, Well, for me, like, at least for our shop and our community, it's honestly, it's not really about, you know, oh, she's a girl diving or he's a guy diving. It's kind of more about community. Um, We all just want to go out and go diving. No one cares. We just want to go diving, especially in 2020. Everyone just want to get out of here and go diving. Um, So I think for us, it's not just about, oh, you know, the guys are, you know, subjecting women to like certain ideas or anything. It's in general for the whole population, it has to be men and women uh, giving each other, you know, respect. Um, So it's not just guys, you know, singling out women. Women can also sing out women. We've all been there, middle school, high school, college, cliques, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about community and, you know, everyone having fun with each other. Making friends, making dive buddies, you know, learning new skills, getting new experiences, seeing majestic sea flat flaps.
2: <laughs> I agree with that. We see a lot of people come in through the door who are interested in scuba, and they come in the shop kind of timid, whether it's man or woman, and. They, you know, they want to do it, and they tell me they can't though because they don't have anybody to do it with, you know. And and I spend so long convincing them that you don't need somebody to do it with. They have a strong community, and then by the time they finish their open water dives, they already have friends. And I think the biggest thing that I see people coming back is when they do start making those friends right off the bat, and when they have other people to talk about diving, and they realize it's a community versus you know just getting over that fear of being all
5: by yourself. Right. When I first started diving, like, I did not know how big the scuba world was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, you know, pretty small. And then I started getting into it, and literally my very first dive buddy was a girl. Marlena, shout out to you. Love you. Um,
1: what about anyone else? Any ideas? And, um, yeah, it can definitely be for, like, retaining men and women for scuba diving. Just keeping that, like, base of people.
7: Oh, I think Jen hit the nail on the head. Especially in today's difficult world, having a a dive shop, you've got to be a specialist. You've got to create a sense of community. It's not about competing about the next shop down the street. In fact, every shop builds the community.
5: Oh, Um, come on! uh, (laughs) It's all about (laughs) one (laughs) shop.
7: No, Uh, but yeah, it's just all about. It's all about belonging.
6: Feeling welcome. I agree, Joe. I mean, we, we have to take the competition out of it. We're, we're all in here to build the sport, whether it's for men, women, whoever. Right. If, if you want to do it and want to be a part of it, you have to be welcoming and and, mm-hmm. you know, have the events, have the dives, you know, um, invite the new person that, you know, just got certified out to your next dive that's appropriate for them. And, and who cares, you know, because if they are timid, then maybe that's their foot in the door to open up and start making new friends and, and build and grow. And and that's the only way the, the industry is going to get get bigger, and so that we can have these things that we want, you know, like the the proper fitting gear for women and and whatnot, you know. We just have to keep making it this all inclusive place where there's there's no judgments, you know, and and uh, yeah. Right it on.
2: Sound, it sounds mm-hmm. silly, but but one of the things we found that builds that community is including non-divers too, like a lot of the times you have one person in the family that dives. And when I invite their family to our events, it like changes the whole dynamic. And then I start seeing that person more because the other, the other people want to come into the shop, even if it's just a chat, even though they may not dive for whatever reason. So that's grows community a lot too, what we found.
6: Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Jenny. I mean, we, we have uh, a, a a uh, male diver and his wife doesn't dive she's never going to dive but you know we've lovingly given her the nickname shore support because she comes along on the trips because she just wants to be a part of it and you know we've we've grown into great friends and and you know she'll do this stuff while we're off you know boat diving and we'll come back mm-hmm. and have like this nice spread of lunch and we're also thankful for it because you know, the last thing you want to do is have to go and make yourself dinner or lunch or whatever it is. So, um, but she loves doing that. We love having her around, and and you know, really, it's just about encouraging the non-divers as well, you know, whoever they are. Right,
5: and then we sucker them into getting a diver. I think right. Surely, <laughs> 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 we'll bring yeah, you into What <laughs> I think we can.
4: I think we can also do is as educators get better to teaching to different learning styles and different personalities right so um you know and that's not just for women i've had plenty of men come through classes with low confidence and do you have an instructor that's good at properly building up somebody's confidence um so it and, and also just the the way people learn differently so the psychology and educational science behind what we're doing um i think we can improve that the the other thing for me is as we start in growing and encouraging women to stay is one of my personal pet peeves is uh, events especially like cave and tech events that are only for women because I don't want to be separate and equal, I want to be included in the event of cave divers or tech divers going and doing the things. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's don't. I think I it might have been Heather who said it. It's a it's a difference without a, di- a distinction, right? Um, that that I think is it commented too much. I mean, this is the first women's specific thing that I've done because I almost. Don't want to acknowledge it because it shouldn't matter.
7: Yeah, well, I think all of us probably um, like hate it when someone says, "Oh, you know, Jill or Mayor or Heather, or whatever. Oh, what an awesome female diver, right?" Like it's like, okay, no, we're just a diver. <laughs> like, quit, quit modifying it with female. Like, like I do hate that, um, but I do see a value in women's events, and I wish we did not have to have a women divers Hall of Fame. But I am so freaking proud of that organization (laughs) Um, and I realized that it has a really important place um, because so many women felt so disenfranchised and gathered together to try and come up with a solution to inspire the next generation and now you know we're giving away almost a hundred thousand dollars a year in scholarships and training grants to young women and and men as well Um, and I'm really really proud of that so so I guess I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. Like I don't really want to be labeled as, you know, a great woman diver. I just want to be labeled as a, a, a diver or a great diver if I've earned it. But um, but I do see a lot of value in the women's only events um, and organizations because they're they bring people in that would not otherwise have the courage um, to come forward. And um, and so I, I I think that then it has value. Um, I don't want to be exclusive like like even when I talk about sexism you know sexism when I talk about that when I write an article about it I want it to be informational for men but I want it to be affirmational to women I want it to be like okay like if you've had this happen to you then you know you're not alone um, but for men who may not have realized that their behaviors were not appropriate you know here's how we feel when this happens so so I don't think we're at the point where we can let go of the differences um, and just full steam ahead. But I look forward to that day.
3: Yeah, I, I. This is probably the the, the area I have the most conflict over in terms of you know how I feel about um, making that distinction of you know a female or or a woman's diver hall of fame or a women's event and um you know i i think sometimes in order to bring about change you have to you have to put something in the light and i think that's what a lot of this serves to do i i think where we have to be careful is turning it into an identity right and that you know like and I apologize to anyone if you guys do this, but like I see the like Instagram posts and stuff at hashtags like hashtag tech diver woman, hashtag women who tech dive, hashtag women who dive. Again, I apologize if anyone does that. But I look at that and I'm like, I, I want to say, you know, it, it doesn't have to be um, such a such an identity. Uh, <laughs> That's all the female. Um, sorry. <laughs> you know, I think we just need to be careful, right? We need to use it as a tool and a forum to get to 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 have a voice. But I, I also worry, and I think this is Mer's point too, is that we get we get to a point with it where maybe we're starting to alienate ourselves a bit if it starts to have the appearance that it's exclusive or it's sort of taking on an identity. Well, yeah, so those right. are
5: Oh, no, go ahead, sorry. I mean, I think it definitely, it is, for me, I think it's good to have those type of groups in terms of, you know, getting that initial, someone to get into diving. And it's the sense, commun- sense of, community. again, a sense of community. But, and again, if it's, if you don't like just start singling it out, then no harm, no foul. And, you know, having like the girls at scuba or, you know, like tech, tech woman or anything like that, it's just more of a, another group or a community to belong to. I agree with that. There needs to
2: be it. They're they're great things and events and groups to bring people in and feel make them feel included. There just has to be a point where a fine line to tread where it doesn't become, I guess, a more of an identity that it is a community.
1: We are the master race. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to creating a sense of community at your dive shop. I know we had talked about that a little earlier too. I just wanted to mention that Deep Stop does a really good job doing that. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the shop is that we have um, social dive days, like once a month. And so anyone who wants to come um, can just come on in and dive. And it's really nice because you can meet new people and it's great. And I think that's helpful in building a sense of community. And even if you don't know anyone, you get to know people and it's really nice. Oh. Yeah. did anyone have, there we go. So Stephanie Carney from Facebook has a comment. It says, this is exactly what is needed. More conversations, more stories, more camaraderie, more mentorship, more outreach to make our industry accessible to everyone. Kudos to all of you talented individuals. It is amazing to see all of you speaking your truth. Nice. Did anyone have anything else to add about encouraging women or women and men to keep diving or anything like that?
7: Well, I'll just I'll give a plug for the Women Divers Hall of Fame scholarships and training grants, um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of you even on this call. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that may or may not be aware of them. but. Um, uh, wdhof.org. You can go there and there are dozens of scholarships and training grants, everything from you know, scientific um, research grants to training grants to uh, diuremetic training, um, all kinds of things. And um, please, please, please apply. I mean, like I said, we give away almost $100,000 a year. Uh, but throughout even just the application process um we get to meet new people who are interested in in you know pursuing different levels in diving and and we want to mentor and um and help them move through to the leadership levels too because the more women that we have in in visible areas of diving the more accessible it's going to feel to new women coming into the sport yeah
1: that sounds like a really great opportunity all right. Another one from David Stevens from Facebook. Does it deter you from exploring places that are known to be more patriarchal le- leaning? Hmm. Not for me.
6: No. <laughs> no, I <don't-> led <laughs> an
7: expedition to Egypt right after the Arab Spring. And um, and that was a really bad time to be a woman alone in the desert in Egypt. <laughs> so man, I just go full- Full, full speed ahead and just try and uh, respect the local culture as much as possible and fit in. But <laughs> yeah, I mean,
5: not necessarily have to. go alone, though. Yeah. I'll go um, with the group, not alone.
3: Yeah, I think you just have to, you have to know what you're getting into and you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared to, um, you know, uh, operate within that culture. And, you know, even if you might disagree with it, you have to, um, you know, be prepared and not um, let things get to you right away. You know, if you encounter someone making a comment or sort of making an assumption about you, I think you have to just know that that's part of what you're going to have to overcome or, or navigate. Um, But nothing should, should, uh, short of, you know, your safety, I guess, should, you know, deter you from, from doing those things.
4: Heather, I I think that's, A great point. And I way Mm -hmm. I kind of look at the industry is the people who hold these prejudices, whether they're gender related or something else related, that we can't change them. And if we want change to happen in this industry, it has to come from us and the people that we influence. So it's a forward looking, not a backward looking thing that we need to do. And we need to be the change that we wanna see. Now, does that mean those of us who've been out there blazing the trail have had to sometimes adapt to play a more stereotypically masculine role, to be more stubborn, to be one of the boys? Mm-hmm. Does it always have to be that way though? No, we can control that with how the generations that we influence is, as instructors, professionals and role models here of what the industry will look like in five, 10 and 20 years.
3: I agree with that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so Tom Nelson asked, are there any women led projects coming up? Several of my female students are always asking about that kind of opportunity. Do you guys Um, know? I
7: don't know. I mean, there are lots of women, like including myself and others that lead expeditions all the time, but there's also no, nothing stopping any woman interested in leading an expedition from just going for it too. Um, honestly, like, you know, beyond the Women Divers Hall of Fame, if you have an idea and you want to launch an expedition, apply to the Young Explorers um, grants for National Geographic, apply to the Explorers Club Discovery grants. like a lot of grants, scholarships, and training opportunities are um, underrepresented in female applicants. And I think maybe um, we're all pretty hard on ourselves and we have imposter syndrome, and we don't think that we should apply or whatever else. Um, but there's no reason why if you're sitting back there and you want to go on a woman's led expedition that you couldn't be leading that expedition. Um, so I would just say, you know, Go for it. Um, don't be afraid to fail. What would you do if failure didn't matter? Just go for it. I wade through like waist deep rejection letters sometimes, <laughs> uh, but enough things come through that I've had a really incredible career that I pinch myself over. Um, but I do remember, you know, 20 years ago when I was first applying for things, I thought, oh my God, they're just going to laugh at me like, you know, I'm too young or I'm, you know, whatever. Um, just go for it. There's no reason why there's you know, there's any aspect of diving that couldn't be equally represented by men and women.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and having done expeditions myself, I've never considered whether the leadership was male or female. It's about putting people in the right role and knowing what each people's individual strengths are when you're putting together a team. For a week, a month, or ten years. So um, I, I, I have never sought out projects because of the gender of the person. I've sought out projects because of the goals and the mission and and you know are these people that I think I'm going to mesh with and I want to be covered in duckweed at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> hauling bottles up and down the hill, you know.
1: Alright, so Helen Malone from Facebook has a comment. Um, so it says, I'm a female surgeon. One thing that I'm hearing around the edges of this conversation is that there's a certain type of woman that we don't take seriously or don't want to portray ourselves as. We need to be very careful about excluding soft-spoken, pink, less brazen women than we may be or consider ourselves. It's an easy thing to exclude other women who have different gifts. We've learned a hard lesson in some areas of medicine and lost some talented folks.
7: What a great point! Thank you for making that. I love
3: pink, but
7: <laughs> but yeah, excellent, excellent point. Yeah.
3: Very fair, and agree. I think um, you know we we maybe are sometimes reacting to a marketing uh, element and not so much um, a type of person, and and so I agree that um, we really should be we should be careful about that. Especially as, as women, because I think we've we've talked a lot tonight about inclusiveness and community, and, and I don't think we would want to alienate anyone.
6: Yeah, and it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be the woman that's the quiet, soft spoken one. Um, we had uh, we used to do these things that when I was working at a different shop, and we'd have like a, a social event every couple of weeks in the winter, and we'd always go out for beverages after, right? Because that's just what you do. And uh, there was one gentleman that, you know, basically didn't talk to anyone. He came, watched the presentation and as we're like, hey, we're, we're going out to such and such place, grab some wings and beer. And it was like, hey, do you wanna come with us? And he did, you know? And, and so we have to remember that as well, I, absolutely. And, and uh, that that's part of, you know, the, the community building, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, everybody's, you know, invited to come along if you want to and you eventually end up getting to know them and and maybe they're just soft spoken or or in a maybe they're just not comfortable yet because they don't know anybody. We you you don't know what they're bringing to the table just because they're quiet.
2: And I think that's something that would make you a good leader or a good ambassador is somebody who doesn't necessarily look at men, women, big, tall but look at shy. Like okay, so because I'm a bold outgoing person, does that automatically make me a leader or does it make me just more willing to bring in people who won't bring themselves in because they're nervous? So, I guess creating that community does, it has to include everybody, but it's going to take the bold people to to bring the shyer people out and then you create a greater community in doing that. Yes, I, don't, I don't
5: know if I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily just, like, the diving industry. It's also out in, like, the regular professional industry as well. Even, like, general world. Like, one of the famous lines from Phil Nye is, you always will learn something from everyone you meet. So, you know, don't just, like, exclude someone just because their personality clashes with you. I mean, you might not hang out with them, but you'll still learn something from them.
1: Yeah, I think that... Those are definitely good points and good ways to look at it.
2: Sometimes just asking the person, you know, they may not want to go out for the beer and wings, but sometimes just saying, hey, you're invited, makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, definitely, just the gesture at least. So um, I think this is going to be our last comment. Um, Tom Nelson asked, what challenges do you foresee facing as women instructors and technical divers in 2021?
5: Rona.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Hopefully fewer than 2020.
7: Yeah, it's all about the coronavirus, really. I mean, um, we're a lot more um, isolated and uh, kind of staying home up here in Canada than everyone down in the US. Like, I gotta be honest, I'm kind of like, I kind of shocked to see teaching and travel continuing on, um, you know, because we're not going to be past this until everybody, everybody gets on the bandwagon and does everything they can, which is simple, you know, wear a mask, stay six feet, all that crap. Um, We need to all do this globally, you know, so we can get on with things. That's the biggest challenge.
4: I think that comes into our same thing with building community, and that we're not in a competitive sport, and I think we we try to make it that way. Um, it, there's gonna be a lot of adapting that we have to do on the other side of it. It's changed the industry. We've lost businesses that used to be there. Um, so I don't see any of these as unique to being a woman. Mm-hmm. I I see these as just, we're gonna have a new normal, whether we're gonna have before COVID and after COVID. So,
3: well, I think if anything, what we've seen happen um, with uh, you know attrition of of dive businesses and um, sort of loss of of local community is, I think if there's a lesson, it's that we have to we have to build community more than ever to survive. We have to put down our differences and our stereotypes and biases and we have to try to come together as a global dive community Um, that's the only way i think we'll survive uh you know through what is significant economic hardship and um and also you know the impact of um you know physical mental all, all of that collateral damage that's being done right now that we don't even fully understand well said. Yeah,
5: definitely. Well, also, kind of throwing it out there. Kind of a lot of this conversation we've been having is more about like challenges for like women in diving, but there, on the other hand, we have a whole lot of benefits <laughs> of being a woman in diving. Definitely. <laughs> so guess, right? Why yeah. We have yeah. so much more better points. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll throw it out there to you guys. Sorry, Allie for taking over you're fine Or <laughs> well, like what are benefits um, to that you guys see you guys have been in the industry for quite a while for definitely more than I have of you know women in diving. what are the advantages that we have
7: I see that we don't we don't um as women seem to be um swept into the the competition that, that men seem to experience like. I, like I've been on expeditions where I'm the only only woman and and there seems to be a lot of pressure amongst the guys to go further to lay more line to do this do that be stronger better whatever um, and maybe because I was the only woman I was just getting applauded for being there who knows but <laughs> um, um, I mean I you know of course you know pulled my weight and more but um but I didn't feel that pressure I don't I don't feel like I need to compete. And I think most women don't feel like they need to compete where I think some men, you know, enter the sport um, and it becomes much more a sense of identity and, and uh, attached to their masculinity. Um, so so in a way, I think of that as an advantage. I didn't feel the same sort of stress level of, of, of performance. Um that the guys did like if i swam 100 feet into the cave and something was wrong with my gear and i called the dive and turned around and everybody had just spent like 30 hours getting ready for that dive and i aborted it i didn't feel guilty about it and nobody ever gave me a hard time about it um, but but if the same thing happened to a guy there seemed to be a little bit more you know jostling and and pressure i guess so i, I never felt that pressure <clears throat>
4: Here's one thing. I mean, I don't know how to, let me see if I can say this without pissing people off. But I think one of the challenges, I'm good at pissing people off. That's like half (laughs) of my occupation, right? Um, Is one of the challenges I think we have as growth as women is still recognizing, especially when we get into tech and cave diving, and there is so few of us. The reason everybody knows my name and Jill's name and Heather's name at dive sites and is because when we're in cave country, is because there's like six of us that have been in the industry for more than five years. Right, like there's, it's like, oh, who's that chick? Like, let me pick from like the list of six that it could be. And then the flip side of that is when a woman gets highly publicized doing something, what our industry does do is assume if you put a woman out there demonstrating something not only are they just demonstrating that skill, representing that agency, they're representing all of women. So if that skill is not done to the utmost high standard, if that picture is not showing the utmost skill, then the conclusion that people are making, the false crappy conclusion that people are making is, well, that's the best that the women can do because we put them out on the pedestal. and. That's something it's a double edged sword that like, yes, we shouldn't have to be better to prove ourselves. But guess what? We have to, especially still in cave and tech. Uh, I don't think I ever would have gotten to where I've gotten to without working twice as hard as the guys. And at the end, that's part of my journey and it's part of my personality. And I think I've only reaped the benefits of any time, you know, whatever what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. But that's where we are in the evolution of some of this is that if we don't go out there when we put ourselves in the public eye and we don't kick ass, people are gonna think we're not capable of kicking ass.
5: But if you do kick ass, you guys
3: are celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's not always pretty being a a dive celebrity, although I don't consider myself to be one, but... I really, you know, I, I really hope that a lot of the, the the stuff that women before us, before me, I mean, there are women going back, you know, um, quite a long ways. And, you know, a, a woman that um, used to run the dive boat, the Wahoo, Janet Beeser. Mm-hmm. Jill, you probably know Janet. Yeah. You yeah. know, I when I think about some of the things she had to overcome to be the captain of a technical dive boat in the 1980s, I am just like wow you know and i'm yeah and you know i'm really grateful for people like her and i think you know a lot of what murr is talking about is true and i think it's un- but i also feel that it's unfortunate that we have to we have to be that way or perceive that we have to be that way and i i hope that you know for sort of the the next generation and the younger divers that are coming up that that, that stuff starts to go away and and, you know, to your point, Jen, like, what are the advantages and the the things that women have to offer? Like, I hope that starts to stand out and mo- women are able to move into leadership positions more than um, perhaps now where, you know, some of the, the skills that I think women have, um, I think Jill hit on a lot of them. Like, we're not, we're not always driven by ego or pressure, but I think... Um, women maybe just have a different way of thinking about things sometimes just to, to generalize, even though I don't like to do that. I think women have a different way of thinking about things and, and that translates into maybe a better approach to risk management. And, um, and so I think that's a strength that women have. And, and so I guess I would, I'll, I'll leave that there, but um, yeah, I, I think that uh, women do have a lot to offer and it's probably a discussion for another time, but it would be be interesting to talk about women in leadership positions in the dive industry more.
4: I think it's actually freeing the fact that I, by the nature of my gender or anything else about me, that I don't fit the mold of what people expect when you say GUE cave and tech instructor, and that's given me permission to do things differently and potentially innovate and find different ways to teach that other people didn't do because that's the mold. So once you're already outside of the mold, go hog wild and do other things and keep what works. It's to some extent, it's freeing. There's other parts of it that suck, but (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) And you just have to play with the field that you have and is, 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 is it pave a different road for those behind you. Mm-hmm.
3: Well said. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we had another comment coming up here from a uh, Don Abel. Here we go. Um, he said, "I have to say, at least the women let each other talk. Nobody walks over everybody. They're a lot more polite than any guys I know. We could learn something from them." Do you know what that means? It means we need more booze.
6: Cheers <laughs> to that man. Because
4: <laughs> I don't want to be known as a well-behaved woman, man. Well-behaved women never accomplished anything.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right, I think that wraps it up for tonight um thank you guys so much <laughs> thank you guys so much for uh joining us on the show um i'm gonna wrap up with our viewers and i'll talk to you guys in just a minute but thank you so much for all of your contributions and everything for tonight
3: yeah, thank you thanks for having us this is great chatting with yeah. all these ladies and look forward to meeting you in person one day and hopefully diving together definitely absolutely
1: Alrighty. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our episode of A Dream of Diving tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. We really appreciate all of your support. For those of you on YouTube, you can click right around here. There's a like and subscribe button. Um, And we would really appreciate any contributions you guys can make to our Patreon. Thank you guys so much. I hope to see you again in two weeks for our next show. Thanks so much.